This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Sundays. Goodbye. We also had the vines in there. Don't listen to the Radio 6 After 4. You are on In Your Face on 3CR with James and MV. Well, this week the debate about religious freedom heated up again in Australia's Parliament, prompting the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, to produce his own bill on the issue. On the line, we have veteran activist Rodney Croom. Rodney, welcome back to 3CR. Thanks for having me on, James. Why did Scott Morrison produce his own bill on religious freedom this week, uh, taking his own party by surprise, I hear? Yes, that's right. The issue was specifically whether the existing exemptions that allow faith-based schools to discriminate against LGBTI students should be removed so that that discrimination is no longer allowed. That was the issue that was being debated in Parliament. And as you say, the Prime Minister brought on his own bill. I assume because he wanted to make sure that the bill included the kinds of so-called protections he believes are necessary for religious schools to do their job. And the bill, from my point of view and the point of view of many other people, I'm afraid, I understand, was, I'm afraid, just not acceptable. It had a a great number of of caveats in it and qualifications. It continued to allow indirect discrimination against LGBTI students. And it also continued to allow schools to teach in any way they wished, including in ways that are discriminatory. So, for instance, schools could continue to teach that being gay or being transgender was somehow intrinsically disordered. And we know, of course, that that would be 
or that is immensely damaging to LGBTI students. So for the majority of members in the Senate at least, and quite a few in the in the House, and certainly everyone I've spoken to in the LGBTI community, that bill was completely unacceptable. Labor said it couldn't vote for it, the Greens said they couldn't vote for it, and the issue's gone nowhere. Is the Prime Minister's bill then worse than any other bills that the government's been pushing in this area? These provisions have been put forward before, but in fact the way that they've been framed this time around are worse. Yes. People will remember that before the Wentworth by-election, the Prime Minister made a promise that he would remove the right of religious schools to discriminate against LGBTI students. The issue came up because, of course, there was a leak of the Ruddick review into religious freedom. And many Australians, I think, weren't aware that, as the Ruddick report said, there is this exemption allowing religious schools to discriminate. And there was a public outcry to which the Prime Minister responded by saying, I will fix this. But as we've seen in the last few days, him fixing it means giving with one hand and taking with the other. Why hasn't the Prime Minister released the Ruddick review report? Well, really... Only he can answer that. I mean, I, I can't see that what's in the report would be any more damaging than what's already been released. And it would certainly help inform the debate if that report was released. So I think it should be released straight away. I suspect that the reason Prime Minister hasn't released it is because it doesn't recommend what he would like it to recommend, and that is thoroughgoing protection for religious freedom at the expense of LGBTI people and other people in Australian law. That I understand from hearsay is what the Ruddock Report doesn't recommend. It says that religious freedom is largely protected in Australia. But, of course, we don't know that until the report itself is released. And the Prime Minister at the moment, it would seem, doesn't feel that that's to his advantage. Do you think the Morrison bill was designed to satisfy the Coalition's right-wing rump? I know he was meeting with them when he pulled it out of his pocket this week. Yep. yep, that's exactly what it was about. Yep. It certainly wasn't about easing the, the difficulties faced by LGBTI students. <laughs> that seems to have been the last thing on the Prime Minister's mind, actually making li- the, you know, the lives of LGBTI students better. No, it seems to be about trying to paper over the widening cracks in the Liberal Party between the moderates and the uh, right-wing rump, as you say, that, well... It's never really reconciled itself to losing the postal survey on marriage equality, to be frank, and is still looking for ways to punish LGBTI people for advancing our rights and being treated more equally in the law. Would you say the best solution to this impasse is that the Parliament actually passed the amendments that Labor proposed, amendments to the Sex Discrimination Act, that would protect LGBTIQ students and teachers from discrimination in religious schools? And I know the Greens also support that pathway. Well, just to clarify... You're right that the Labor Party has put forward a bill, but it only deals with students. It doesn't deal with teachers. So teachers are thrown under a bus? Well, in the Labor bill, yes. The Greens have put forward legislation that deal with both, and Labor's argument is, well, let's deal with the students, that's more urgent, and we'll come back to the teachers next year. That's difficult for me to hear as a Tasmanian because our Anti-Discrimination Act, which is 20 years old this week, has prohibited discrimination against LGBTI students and teachers in religious schools since it was put in place. So that's 20 years of protecting uh, LGBTI people in, in, in faith-based schools without the sky falling in mm. and without a single faith-based school in Tasmania complaining. Um, Rodney, how do crossbench numbers on this religious freedom debate stack up in the House and also in the Senate? I think most of the crossbenchers get it. 
they understand in both houses that religious freedom is being deployed as a as a rhetorical weapon, if you like, against LGBTI human rights and LGBTI equality, as long as that is explained to them and as long as they're hearing the personal stories about people who are affected. We did see this week the Centre Alliance going along with the government's proposal for a while there, despite commitments that were, it was said to have made to Labor. And I think that's because they really don't quite understand the severity of the situation and the problems facing LGBTI students and teachers. Once they've got that, I think, crossbench members tend to reject the idea that religious freedom is somehow under threat and needs protection. How do you think the politics of this issue will play out early next year, assuming the government lasts that long? Well, it's hard to see the government changing tack on this. I can only hope that the opposition parties and the crossbenchers continue to prosecute an agenda of complete equality and protection for everyone. There is going to be... There has been a Senate inquiry over the last few weeks and there's going to be another Senate inquiry that will start... We started already and we'll go till January. And the evidence presented to, that, to those inquiries overwhelmingly shows the damage to LGBTI students and teachers that's done by allowing discrimination against. So we, I can only hope that some of that evidence and some of those compelling personal stories make their way into the entrees of, of Liberal Party senators and members so they can see that if, they're, if, they've, got, if they've got any heart at all, <laughs> they will support moving forward on this issue. Now, the Prime Minister said he wants a conscience vote on this in his party, which, again, is a bit rich, given that the Liberal Party didn't allow a conscience vote on marriage equality and insisted the rest of us vote on it instead. But if that commitment is stuck to, then hopefully we'll see moderates crossing the floor and joining with others to pass legislation to get this issue out of the way once and for all. Ronnie Krim, thanks for chatting. It's always wonderful to hear your views, and no doubt we'll talk again. Thanks, James. Cheers. Rodney Croom there talking about the religious freedom debate here in Australia. 17 after 4, you're on In Your Face on 3CR. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. You are indeed in your face, in fact, with James and MV. Lloyd Cole was in there with perfect skin. It's 21 after four, and I'm joined in the studio by Ariel Malecki. She is the Speaking Out Coordinator at Women's Health East. And I'm also joined by Lara Guerin. They are the Health Promotions Officer for Women's Health East. Welcome to 3CR on this very hot day. Thank you. Thank you. Ariel, let's start with you. Tell us about the Speaking Out role. Tell us what you do. Okay, so the Speaking Out program is just one of the programs that Women's Health East leads. So it's a program where women are supported and trained to speak out to the media about their experiences of family violence and sexual assault. That being said, while it originally sort of started as a media advocacy program, it's now now the women speak out across all different settings to businesses, you know, over the 16 days of activism, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon. They've spoken at a really broad range of events and with the, the key aim to share with their audiences the drivers of violence against women. And, and a human face. Yeah, and really bring a human face to the statistics. Lara, what are the major health promotion issues you're currently working on at Women's Health East? So I'm predominantly working on sexual and reproductive health for women and also uh, prevention of family violence for LGBTIQ young people. Wow. Okay, so you're both working on 16 days of activism. 
Mm-hmm. Tell us about your focus. I know the I know the actives in this year's mostly been online. Yeah. So, well, Women's Health East um, every year does a 16 day social media campaign and sometimes holds holds an event. And this year, our theme was Together for GE or Together for Gender Equality. And so, the 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 focus of this year's Together for GE was on partnerships and action. So Women's Health East, we're a primary prevention organisation and um, we work with organisations across the eastern metro region. And so our focus was really on highlighting the amazing work that's being done in that region in the prevention of violence against women and gender equality. So we really wanted to highlight that work that's being done so that people can actually see things are being done and get ideas of what you know what we can actually do to prevent violence against women and the other element of the campaign was to highlight the voices of women and experiences of women particularly the women in the speaking out program again just to show that um, I suppose like Women's Health East one of our key partners in the prevention of violence against women is women who have experienced violence. I guess you're shining a light on gender equality issues around violence in same-sex relationships. Are you finding that there's been a spike in people feeling comfortable to come out and report that? Like, tell us a bit more about the work you're doing in that field. Yeah, so so we have quite a broad, uh, sorry, a diverse range of women that are part of the Speaking Out program, um, and that includes um, women who um, have experienced violence in same-sex relationships, and, like, that's been... I think really great and it's it's sort of a new thing um, that this year is the first year that we've had women who have experienced violence in same-sex relationships be part of the program. So it's been great having their voices heard. I think probably Lara can talk a little bit better sure. too. Sure, go for it. Well, and I mean, I guess in terms of stats, as we don't have those stats specifically for the East. Because it's such an emerging mm-hmm. issue, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And there's still, I mean, it's definitely like being taken up by other organisations across Victoria, and, and including the government. But, I mean, in terms of, yeah, so it, it is definitely being taken up as an issue. But I think, like, it, you know, there's still, still a lot of, like, gaps in knowledge and still a lot, a lot of unknowns about uh, why why this is happening, like what the drivers of va- uh, family violence in sort of queer couples are and queer families as well. And so, you know, like some of the research that I'm doing is aiming to fill some of those gaps. And also, I guess, like the access for LGBTI people accessing family violence services. There's definitely work that's been happening now around to make it, uh, services more inclusive. But there's still, you know, there's definitely a bit of a way to go. So tell us more about the role of a health promotion officer. Is it largely doing research that then fuels community education campaigns? Yeah, I mean, I've I've done I've done a, f- a bit of research, and so that's definitely like a key part of a sort of health promotion officer. I guess it's also about, in our cases, making sure that um, women's health issues are kept sort of on the agenda for our partner organisations, and that you know we are continually trying to sort of advocate for change and and create you know you know, gender equality for for women in the East. So who are your partner organisations for Women's Health East? Uh, I guess there's a whole gamut of them. So many. Yeah, so, so, well, we've got heaps of projects and programs and and partners that are working on, in doing this work in the East. So Women's Health East leads a partnership called the Together for Equality and Respect Partnership. And there's... Organisations, there's Aboriginal organisations, there's sporting clubs, there's council, there's... Where else is there? Community health organisations. 
businesses like from that from yeah. our area. So Women's Health Aids kind of you know works with them all and brings them all together. You're like a conduit if you like. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Great. Yeah. So we um we lead that project, but we've got partners across all different sectors, um, and they're all working on preventing violence against women. So how did you both find yourself doing this amazingly dynamic women's health work? Um, what was the pathway for you? We'll start with you, Ariel. Yeah, so um, yeah, that's an interest. So I, um, my undergrad degree was in journalism. Wow. And that was many years ago. And then I started, I was working in, in an admin role in this occupational health company and I sort of stopped doing a lot of journalism just because that doesn't wasn't really paying the bills at the time. No. What's the um, hard to get a gig? Yeah, exactly. So I I was working in this occupational health company for years and I sort of worked my way up into senior management. But I there was no passion there so I um started doing a masters of public health and um was sort of doing the special the gender special like the stream of gender studies. And then I've started volunteering at WIRE, Women's Information Referral Exchange, and really, like, learnt about their feminist frameworks. And then, yeah, this role came up at Women's Health East to coordinate a program that sort of incorporated public health and journalism and media all in one. And it was, yeah, it was just a great opportunity that came up, at, for, at, and it was perfect for me. Awesome stuff. Laura, how about you? What was your pathway to this amazing role? So I, I've been working with um, young people for a long time, and I was previously working with young people in out-of-home care. And so I've always had an interest in sexual health and also working with the LGBTIQ community, and it's just sort of like came up. I, I do have a degree in health promotion as well, so that probably helps. <laughs> so I guess I've been able to combine sort of like Ari, combine our two sort of like... Uh, interests and passions, as well as like what we've studied, um, into one role. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, if the government say gave you, you know, enough money, what's a, a project in women's health that you would both love to work on? Well, that's a cool question. That's a great question. Oh my God, there's so many projects. I mean, you're doing amazing think, stuff already. I think that more so, I mean, we've got obviously lots of ideas for amazing projects that mm. we could work on, but I really think it's about what we would prefer to see is like long-term commitment to funding for projects that we're already doing. Um, so, for example, the Speaking Out program has only got funding, it only got funding for a couple of years. And so we do all of this great work training women to speak out about their experiences and we support them along the way and we don't want that to end. We want to continue doing that. We want to continue training women and giving them the opportunity to share their stories. So that's just like an example of what I, I would like to see happen with government money is us across the Women's Health Services being able to develop projects that are going to be sustainable and that are you know, going to have life for longer than a couple of years. How about you, Lara? Any thoughts? I mean, I would definitely agree with that. I think the funding cycle is a bit of a killer sometimes in terms of, like, sustainability. Yeah, um, totally. But I, you know, I also, like, I do love sexual, repro sexual mm. and reproductive health, so having greater funding for what that could look like I think would be sort of, you know, like prevention of violence against women gets a lot of funding, as it should, but I would also like to see, you know, some funding go into sexual and reproductive health. Any ideas on what it should look like? I mean, I would say... Access, free and accessible access to contraception for everyone, and that would include like longer acting reversible contraception, abortions on demand, that sort of thing. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, you've both been working on 16 days of activism. Do you think that the online focus of the campaign this year was the way to go? 
Mm, that's interesting because we've had, we, you know, we have lots of debates about the best way to run a campaign and to raise awareness. And I think actually this year, while we did have a social media campaign and that was, you know, a, has been a core focus of our work, we really tried to get some like strong engagement rather than just getting a really wide reach with our social media campaign. Like we really wanted our partners that are doing this work to engage with the social media campaign rather than just trying to reach lots of people and boost our posts and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. And we also held an amazing event at our office in Doncaster, which was part part AGM but also part 16 Days event. And we had Jan Fran, who's a comedian, come and facilitate a panel discussion between speaking out advocates and herself on you know, pretty much her experiences of working as a woman in media and speaking to, pretty much speaking back to our campaign, which is to, together for GE and pretty much asking everyone in the, in the room. And we got a really big turnout of almost 80 people to really commit to some sort of gender equality action in where, where you live, work, play or learn. So I think, I think that social media campaigns do play a part. And I think though that there are definitely some learnings that we've taken from this year's campaign and you know there's there's going to be many more 16 days potentially it'll move just from being 16 days to 365 days of just awareness you know in the Which future is what you need. Yeah. yeah what are your thoughts Lara on 16 days being mainly online this year or practically all online this year what's what's your view on that i mean i think the sort of what are you saying there are a lot of benefits to that in terms of like you know, engagement and reach. And I think from Women's Health East perspective, we were definitely trying to engage more with people and the messages that we were sort of promoting and encouraging our partners to also do the same same thing as well. I think in terms of, you know, there, it is often a greater reach than just an event. And it would sort of, it obviously, gender equality would be great if this was sort of embedded every day, all day sort of thing. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. So I think trying to have... It's great to do probably do both things. And I also think, sorry to cut you off, Lara, but I mean we have had lots of reflections on how the internet is not always accessible to all people, mm. and so you know we try to have an event as well, but that's also not always you know accessible. It's, it's in the east, you know, and it's not you know, statewide. Mm. We're just a small organisation doing a little bit of work in the east, but so I think you know having it's all, it's also you know in English, so it, you know it, it does. There are some accessibility issues, but yeah, I think that for a small organisation like Women's Health East, the best way for us to reach a lot of people is online. Awesome stuff. Now, if people want to access your Speaking Out project or any other projects at Women's Health East, how can they get in contact with you? Sure. So a good way to start would be to have a look at the Women's Health Women's Health East website, which is www we.org.au, but also check, check us out um, on Twitter um, and Facebook, and we also have Instagram. Mm-hmm. If you just search for Women's um, Health East, you'll find us. And yeah, you can get in touch to find out about more about the program and our or other amazing projects that hopefully we'll be starting in the coming months. Awesome stuff. Ariel Malecki and Lara Guerin from Women's Health East, thank you for your great work. We're so lucky to have you out there in the East doing this awesome stuff. Thank, thank you, you for coming thank in. Thank you. 25 to 5, you are on In Your Face on 3CR with James and MV, and here's Nirvana.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.